You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 703 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Friday evening into Saturday morning. My apologies for the uh, lack of sound quality again on the podcast. I'm still on the road for the old day job, so hopefully you guys will be able to cope with particular sound quality, and we'll get back, um, hopefully, back to Atlanta and dialed in into our regular situation as of Sunday. But thank you for your patience. On that, to the podcast itself, the first part of this of the uh, pod will be about um, some pregame stuff with Trey Young, All-Star Starter stuff, injury reports, etc. And then we'll go into the game that was... Uh, Competitive for a while against Oklahoma City and then not so competitive down the stretch. First thing, um, probably the big headliner of the last couple days for the Hawks is that Trey Young will be starting the All-Star game. Not a big surprise if you listen to this podcast the last couple of weeks. I've basically been assuming that he's going to start for quite some time now. As soon as it was clear that he might might or probably would win the fan voting, um, the formula just as it exists led to Trey being almost a shoe in to start. He finished he finished number one in fan voting, number three in player voting, number two in media voting, and actually won the entire um, voting for the Eastern Conference Guards, beating out Kemba Walker, who he is also going to start for the East. Um, first player for the Hawks to that was voted voted I should say as a starter since the Kevin Mutombo '98. Joe Johnson did start in 2010. By the way, he was not um, voted in as a starter. He was an injury replacement, but alas, still uh, one of the more one of the more popular players in recent memory for the Hawks. Obviously, with Trey Young, and uh, again, no no surprise there. He definitely earned it as well. I treat I tweeted through this earlier in the week on uh, my personal Twitter account, but I thought it was very clear that Trey should have been an All Star uh, comfortably, kind of a no brainer for me. And I'm happy got the, I'm happy he got the nod, and also he'll be fantastic when the game actually arrives in Chicago. I look forward to watching Trey sort of carve people up and throw alley hoops and do all the things that Trey does. So that'll be a lot of fun. Congratulations to him, and we'll talk more about, more about that as we get closer to All-Star Weekend. The two injury reports that came down since the last time we recorded on the podcast on Wednesday, um, DeAndre Bembry actually had a non-surgical procedure on his right hand to, quote, address the symptoms of neuritis, end quote. He was not in Oklahoma City. Um, by the way, he was, already, he was already ruled out for that game with personal reasons, and uh, Bembry will be reassessed prior to Sunday's game against Washington back at home. The Hawks did say that he'll, he will not have any restrictions upon his re- his return, so if that's Sunday, then that'd be great. If it's not Sunday, we'll see how, how long he's at after that, but the Hawks could certainly use him from a death, from a death perspective. Not, not a perfect player by any means, and memory has some weaknesses, but certainly someone who can help them at times. Um, last injury update for uh, the pre-game version of the podcast, Chandler Parsons. The team the team released a official Parsons update on Thursday. You may remember that you know last week, actually earlier in this week, there was a uh, a lot of consternation about a release that was put out there by Morgan and Morgan, who's now representing Parsons. The Hawks released an update. On Thursday, saying that Parsons remains in the first the first stage of the concussion protocol, and he hasn't progressed even light conditioning at this point in time. He continues to receive treatment for whiplash, which the Hawks had said um, upon announcement of the car accident that he was in, and also he has the associated cervical disc injury. So uh, obviously not great for Parsons there, but the medical team for the Hawks and Parsons' side also agreed that he'll be going home to California. He's probably already there at this point in time, and he'll continue to rehab and recover from California, still under, still under the care of the Hawks um, sort of physical management team, etc. But um, he'll be in California, and I obviously he'll probably, probably stay there for the rest of the season, I would guess. So I just want to at least update that. It might be the last thing we hear about Parsons for a while, but there you go on that front. 
um, to the game itself. The pregame stuff was interesting here, and that there was a lot of injury stuff back and forth. Trey Young was up. Trey Young was upgraded midday, uh, which is good news for the Hawks. Obviously, after he missed the game on Wednesday, um, he was not restricted in any way, but he was listed as questionable originally. There was some concern he might not be able to play, but by the time Lloyd Pierce addressed the media at shoot around, he was good to go. Um, and on the Oklahoma City side, the Thunder were without Stephen Adams in this game. Uh, of course, uh, people have kind of joked about this, including myself, about future Hawks Stephen Adams. Uh, he was unavailable in this spot. Didn't really hurt Oklahoma City very much, obviously, given the way the game played out. But the Hawks were facing a relatively limited Oklahoma City team in this spot. The Hawks coming off the win on Wednesday. The Thunder had won three in a row and now four in a row after this game. Still, the uh, Hawks were underdogs by about nine points by the time tip-off actually arrived. It was, it was 11 before the news of Trey Young playing, and it fell down to nine, but still a game in which the Hawks were not expected to win, and they, of course, uh, did not go out there and get the victory. As we pivot to the game here, the first quarter was a little bit odd in some respects. Uh, it was kind of a lights-out performance from the Thunder in the op- in the opening minutes with a 10-2 run, um, some Awful minutes for Bruno Fernando, which was a theme in this game. He, he, he struggled in a major way after he had been better uh, recently. Um, the Hawks went big in this game to start the game off. I'm not really sure why. Um, you know, the Hawks have been vacillating between a small lineup that's basically all the young guys with John Collins at center uh, into a bigger lineup that has Bruno on the court. And against the Thunder without, without Adams, I'm not really sure why the Hawks chose to go back to the two bigs in this spot, leaving Cam Reddish on the bench. Um, not that I, you know, I'm not saying that Reddish is fantastic at this point in time, but he has, he has a lot of value and defensively he's been very good this year. And the Hawks have been just more flexible, more fungible when they play Reddish and when they play uh, Collins at center. And also Cam is the best perimeter defender on the team right now, I think, in my in, in my estimation. So kind of a weird choice, and it did not go well there in the early going with the Hawks getting down early. Um, they did they did fight back uh, mercifully in this game it would have been even more of a slog if they had struggled the entire game. The Hawks got all the way back down, back to down by one in the first quarter. In fact, the Hawks multiple times in this game got within one or or tied the game, and they actually never led. Um, as funny as that is, um, you know, the game was pretty competitive for about a half or more, and uh, just never led. Never never were able to come come all the way back and complete the comeback. Um, still within one at 21 to 20, they played all three point guards early on. The Hawks went to a lineup that had Bruno, uh, sorry, Brandon Goodwin and Jeff Teague playing together in the backcourt. Not not a bad decision, and obviously Goodwin was fantastic on Friday, so he was sort of earning more playing time with that performance. And the Hawks were pretty shallow without Bembry um, and still without Jabari Parker, etc. In this spot, um, only nine guys played in the first half, which I thought was noteworthy. They didn't have ten on the court at one point because uh, Trayvon Graham played four seconds at the end of the first quarter, but. The rotation opened up in the second half, but in the first half, it was pretty tight, probably the tightest it's been all season long, which I thought was uh, noteworthy to be sure. Offensively, um, it was not really a struggle for most of the game. The Hawks did a pretty good job offensively the entire time, but that was definitely the case in the first quarter with John Collins, Cam Reddish, and even Trayon getting going in the early going. Um, second quarter, I would say more of the same offensively. It was not a problem whatsoever, but the Hawks got down by seven in the early going there of the second quarter. Didn't score in the first two and a half minutes. Trey Young sat for about seven minutes, which is a longer time than he normally would, but they did okay with Tegan Goodwin on the court together. Still a 15-4 to run um, by the Thunder to take an 11-point lead. From there, Young got it going a little bit more offensively, made four free throws in a row. Actually still didn't have a field goal at that point. Trey was uh, not shooting the ball particularly well early on but did have eight assists in the first 13 minutes, including a lot of them to John Collins, who opened up very strongly and played very well throughout the game here. They were had to sit both Hunter and Collins at one point in the uh, second quarter as the Thunder got up by 11 points, but then there was a nice stretch where uh, it was an 8-1 to run by the Hawks with back-to-back threes from Cam Reddish and then a long two from, Hunt, from Trey Young to get back within four. In fact, Cam opened three or three from the three-point range. He's been really hot 
for a while now um, from three-point range. Uh, he actually entered the game at 30, 38% from three in January, and looking ahead a little bit, he was 4 of 6 in this game, so that's going to only help his numbers in a big way. Good to see him shooting the ball very, well, very, very well. Also played the foursome because of the way that Hunter was sort of used in this spot, and they didn't have a whole lot of bodies in the first half, so it was a lot of reddish at the four. He was pretty good in that role. And uh, Alex Lynn returned. Um, I mean, he, he returned earlier this week, but actually only played the first half in this spot. Lynn was ruled out after halftime with a hip flexor. I thought he played decently well. I know he didn't score in the first half and didn't uh, miss a few shots. That's a couple bad hands moments, but defensively, um, it's sort of night and day when he plays versus when he doesn't when, when compared to the other centers. And I thought he was uh, generally pretty good in his overall impact. Um, at the half, though, still down by eight points. Offense was not the problem. The Hawks actually shot 50, 59% true shooting in the first half, which is very good, and only five turnovers. If I, if I tell you that, you're probably in good shape, but the defense just could not get stops. A 128 defensive rating in the first half, and uh, that was you know, sort of the theme of the game, frankly, by the end of, by the end of this one. But still, some positives from the first half. Um, the third quarter went pretty well for a while for the Hawks, and then it got sort of lost late in the period. Trey Young opened up the half with a uh, one of his trademark off-balance heaves where he's trying to get fouled, actually. Didn't get the call, but made the shot. And then he uh, scored right after that to get back within three points. So suddenly the Hawks are down by three early, early in the third. That was good to see. But then they had to, they had to go to the bench because Bruno got a rough stretch, I would say, another one from him. They went to Vince Carter following that for the first time. He did not play at all in the first half. And then they ended up going to Damian Jones moments later. That, that did not go very well either. The Hawks were back to back within one at one point after a 6-0 run at 77-76. Trey Young had 12 assists at that point in time. The Hawks hadn't led the entire game and just could not push over the edge at that point in time. Uh, a 12-5 run, though, was on the way for the Thunder to take the lead that they would never never relinquish at 95-86. They made a barrage of threes. Old, old pal Mike Muscala, a good friend of, of the program, hit four threes. His first 13 minutes of play, Mike was uh, cooking a little bit. Actually, you know, personally, as someone who's covered him, I've always enjoyed Mike. So him making shots was uh, nice to see because he's been struggling for quite some time now. But other than, you know, as far as the Hawks are concerned, um, kind of brutal. Just the Thunder made a lot of shots, I'll say that, Through the, throughout the entire game, I would say. Um, but mostly in the second half, the Thunder made a lot of contested shots. The Hawks' defense was not very good in this game, but it probably wasn't as bad as the scoreboard indicates. The Thunder got very, very hot, and particularly in that third quarter with Muscala and Gallinari just kind of cooking and knocking down jumpers, even when they were contested. Um, you know, Damian Jones' minutes did not go very well there, and that kind of explained. You know, at this point in time, by the way, we, we did not know that Alex Lynn was out um, for most of the third quarter, and I was kind of wondering where he was, and then even wondering aloud at times on Twitter, but then he was, he was ruled out. That kind of explained why they went to Vince and Damian, which did not go particularly well. The Hawks did a pretty good job scoring, honestly, the entire time. They just couldn't uh, get any stops, and the, the Thunder uh, actually made nine shots in a row. They had 20 points in about three and a half minutes near the end of the third quarter uh, to kind of put the game away, at least in retrospect, um, down by 14, the Hawks were at the end of the third quarter, and the, th the Thunder for the entire quarter shot 65 for 7 on the floor and 7 of 9 from 3 in the third quarter. That's gonna, it's, pretty, it's just pretty tough to win when the other team is shooting the ball like that. Um, in the fourth, there were faint signs of hope early on with a uh, with Trey Young matching a season high for assists in the, on the first trip of the fourth quarter. Um, but from there, Oklahoma City sort of asserted control, a 10 to 4 run to open up the quarter um, to get up by up by 20. In fact, the Thunder had 48 points in less than 14 minutes of play. Just a staggering um, explosion from the Thunder offense. They scored again after that to get up by 22. There was one more flurry coming from the Hawks to get back within 16 at one point. It was 8 to 2. 
and then Trey actually had it going a little bit during that run. But after a timeout from the Thunder, they scored five points in a row to go up back up by 21. And then when Gallinari hit a three with about five minutes to go, put the Thunder up by 24, that was basically the end of the game. And the Hawks ended up going down by a 29-point margin that featured Charlie Brown and Travion Graham in the uh, final minutes, which kind of tells you uh, that, that it was full, full-blown full garbage time at that point. Um, the second half was the story, obviously, a 74-53 advantage for the Thunder. Um, they were already winning, but put the game away in a big way um, in the first quarter and a half of the second half. So there you go on that. Um, overall stuff, defensively, the numbers just look brutal. A 136 defensive rating is just not going to win you any games. The Thunder had a 65% true shooting percentage. They shot 58% from the floor, 56% from three. Not huge volume, but 14 and 25 is just going to be, you know, it's kind of a barrage in a lot of ways. 28 assists for the Thunder, and that tells the story of the game, including their bench, which is very good in this spot, including Dennis Schroeder. They had 21 points, eight assists off the bench for Oklahoma City. Offensively, the Hawks were not bad in this game. There were some guys who struggled, but overall, the Hawks probably did enough offensively in the competitive portion of this game to actually win. They just couldn't get stops, and that was the uh, overall theme of what transpired in this spot. Okay, we'll go uh, after a short break here to the individual stuff in this game, but I do want to take a second to tell you about the good folks at my bookie because between the NBA, the NFL playoffs, the NBA, and college basketball, it's time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're going to bet anywhere this season, do the smart thing go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games on the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game itself. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra thousand in free money to play with. Just use the promo code Locked On NBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On NBA. Take advantage of this fantastically generous offer from MyBookie to sign up today. Visit MyBookie.ag using promo code Locked On NBA. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, we go to the individual portion of the podcast. Uh, the bench was an adventure, I would say, for the most part. I will start positive uh, to try to even things out a little bit here with Cam Reddish. I thought he played very well in this game. 20 points, 6 rebounds for Cam, a steal and a block as well in 28 minutes. 7-11 from the floor, 4 of set, four, sorry, four of 6 from 3, 2 of 4 from the free throw line. You know, Cam played well. I mean, he's not going to always shoot this well. It's going to happen. It's going to come and go a little bit when it comes to that. But defensively, I thought he was very good. Um, I think he should have started this game. And I said that even early on in the spot. I didn't really understand going um, big against this lineup. But alas, um, that didn't really kill the Hawks in this spot. I just, I just think that Cam was effective. You know, he was minus 18, but all the starters were. And he basically played with the starters for the most part. So, you know, I thought he was pretty good. And uh, we'll go from there. The rest of the bench, it was a struggle. Alex Lynn, I thought, was okay. As I said before, it didn't score, but had three block shots and a steal and four rebounds in 14 minutes before he actually left um, for injury reasons. Damian Jones was shaky, to say the least. Four points, did have five rebounds, which is more than normal for Damian. But one, two from the floor, 10 minutes, I think he just kind of overmatched, and you don't want to see him playing, but they had to go to him at some point after uh, Lynn was ruled out. Jeff Teague was okay. Nine points, two assists, two rebounds, four, seven from the floor, one of one from three. I think defensively he gave up a lot in this game, which is going to happen to him. He's not a great defender at this point by any means. But I thought he was okay. As sort of a steward of the offense. Brandon Goodwin came back to earth a little bit after his fantastic fourth quarter on Wednesday. He had four points and one of six from the floor, two assists and a steal. I thought he was okay. Just didn't uh, have it. Didn't have the same juice in this game. And if you're playing alongside Teague, those guys have to score together. Um, you know, Goodwin's a pretty functional and competitive defender. But if you're going to play him next to a point guard, um, whether it be Jeff or Trey, they're just going to have to score because defensively it's not going to be the greatest situation in the world. So uh, that and that was the big struggle in this spot. 
in addition to the defense for just basically everyone in this game. Uh, the last three guys didn't play a whole lot. Charlie Brown, three minutes. Uh, Travion Graham, four minutes. And Vitzcard actually did play in the, in the competitive portion in the third quarter. Played 10 minutes. Missed all three of his threes. Two points, two rebounds. And uh, in his last game in Oklahoma City, Vince didn't have a massive game, but there you go. Um, two starters in this spot. Uh, definitely a lot of highs and lows here. The lows, Bruno Fernando was really bad, I thought, in this game. Did not score, had five fouls, two turnovers, didn't only have one rebound, oval from the floor. He just kind of lost defensively, just kind of aimlessly wandering out there. And there are times where he looks like a rookie. Um, he looks like a rookie a lot, but when it's good, it's that he's super active and making things happen. In this game, it was just kind of like he didn't know what he was doing, which is going to happen sometimes. He's a rookie big man. i still rather play him than Damian Jones just for the upside reasons and the fact that he's just more physical. But Bruno was bad in this game. Um, Kevin Herter was very quiet, I thought. Five points. He did have two block shots, which is kind of funny to leave the, to have a second on the team in that category. But three assists, six rebounds. Only took, only took six shots. I want Kevin to be more aggressive than that, frankly. He kind of just was out there, not, not in a terrible way, but just didn't make a whole lot of things happen in this game. Uh, and then DeAndre Hunter, I thought, struggled. Uh, Ten points. A 5 of 12 shooting, 0 of 3 from 3, 2 rebounds, a steal, and a block shot. Defensively, there were a couple nice moments, but I thought he was really shaky defensively um, by his standards in this spot. I do think that Reddish is obviously just more impactful defensively. But after a couple games where we actually saw DeAndre make some plays, um, he's sort of just creating havoc defensively. He, he's, he kind of regressed here and was just kind of out there and not in a good way, just kind of getting blown by at times. And I thought he was a problem defensively and offensively, just not, not efficient, not really particularly effective and, uh, you know, he wasn't, like, absolutely unplayable, but it was not a good night for DeAndre Hunter. Um, and the two guys who carried the carried the load offensively are the two guys that often carry the load offensively. Uh, John Collins, 28.6 rebounds and 13-16 from the floor. Um, limited playing time for John, 27 minutes. You know, he was, he was sitting at about you know, 15 in the first half. That was a little bit surprising given how well he was playing. I don't know if they if the team has kind of a lower limit on him where he is right now. There was the one quote a few weeks ago that Pierce said he played to exhaustion. I'm, not, I'm wondering if, uh, if Collins... Just sort of typical number that the Hawks want to get him to is a little bit lower than some other guys are. But he played well when he, when he was out there. He did, have, he did have some foul trouble in the second half, but I thought Collins was the bright spot, obviously. His finishing is well-documented. His three-point shooting was good in this game. And uh, defensively, it wasn't, his, it wasn't his best, but not terrible either. He was not a problem defensively in this game by any means. It was more of the penetration and then just kind of allowing threes. Not really what you're looking for when you're trying to critique John Collins' defense. And then Trey Young... 26 points, 16 assists, a season high. For Trey, he fell one short of his career high, which I thought he was going to get at one point when he had 15 assists early in the fourth quarter, but the offense kind of stopped scoring for the most part, and he didn't play the entire the entire fourth quarter. He was not terribly efficient as a scorer. He was 7 of 20 from the floor, 2 of 8 from 3. They get to the line 12 times. There's always something to be said for Trey, who can salvage some of his efficiency by getting to the free throw line. That's been a huge part of him maintaining his efficiency this year, even when he does not shoot the ball particularly well, which, by the way, he has shot the ball well this year for the most part. But when he has these games where he doesn't make shots, getting to the line is huge. And that allows you to post efficient numbers. By the way, only one turnover in this game with 16 assists. That speaks to how impressive he can be and often is with a ball in his hands. Uh, defensively, I thought he actually wasn't the biggest problem. Um, you know, Trey's never fantastic defensively, but I thought he was, you know, probably average for himself, not like he was a disaster in the way that you might imagine with the uh, Federer scoring 140. Uh, he was not the biggest problem. Uh, he contained penetration for did a pretty decent job, I thought, of Chris Paul at times, and, uh, you know, gave good effort for the most part. Um, but in, in his sort of homecoming here, his first game after the uh, All-Star announcement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, big picture, the Hawks just didn't play well in the last quarter and a half. That happens every once in a while. 
and uh, what happened in this game. And they were sort of due for one of these collapses, I suppose. But it was, uh, you know, the scoreboard got away from them in a big way. I don't think they actually played as bad as the numbers indicate, given the way the Oklahoma City shot the ball and the way the fourth quarter um, kind of went. But still, not a great performance from the Hawks overall. And they will come back and see if they can rectify that on Sunday against the Western Wizards, a much more winnable game. Obviously, they were they were almost double-digit underdogs in this game. They were not expected to beat the Thunder, who are a good basketball team, on the road. Now you come home and play the Wizards, and the Wizards have been better than the Hawks this year, but talent-wise, there's not like a big gap. You know, Trey and Bradley Beal kind of cancel each other out. The rest of the roster, I would almost argue the Hawks are even more talented than the Wizards, at least as currently constructed with their whole with their whole roster. So we'll see if the Hawks can win that game. That'd be a nice one to get if you are a Hawks fan. And I will hopefully be back in the building for that one. I'm landing um, from this trip and uh, back hopefully straight to the arena. So stay tuned for all that. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. And we will see everybody next time. Again, thank you for listening to the show. And we'll see everybody on Sunday.